Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. And click the please, please click the links in the uh, description of all these episodes. We need more subscribers on our YouTube channel. We're trying to get to uh, 600, if you'll recall, so that we can give away some cool Thundercast merch. Uh, and please bookmark Thundercast.online so you don't miss any of the content that goes on over there. Trace Johnson has been helping us out since really the early on and in the beginning, and he puts up some really cool articles. And I have a feeling that he's working on one that might be of real interest to a lot of herd football fans. We talked about some generalities, and I don't know when that one's going to come to fruition, but he does a really good job for us, so you don't want to miss anything that goes on over there. Russ, we had a really busy week. It was kind of up and down for herd athletics. You know, we've got a big football game that we've got to talk about, um, but we're going to switch it up a little bit this week because of some scheduling issues. We're going to go ahead and do that five things. We're going to get that around the herd segment. And then towards the end of the episode is going to be the NC state recap, but we've got a lot to get into. So let's hit it head on. But first with a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Matt and Jason are experienced injury lawyers in Huntington who have helped many people, just like you, with claims throughout West Virginia, Ohio, and Kentucky. Car wrecks, truck wrecks, and injury claims aren't just something they do, it's what they do. Find them at 304carwreck.com. Five things. Let's get it rolling because we've got a lot to cover in this episode of the Thundercast. Five things every herd fan needs to know this week, as always, brought to you by IgniteLink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, it is official. The JMU game next Thursday will be carried by ESPN. Not ESPN2, ESPN. Wow, the herd has been elevated to the big dog. Uh, you would kind of expect if there was a window of opportunity for this to happen, this is one, because this is going to be the matchup of what many consider, and of course, yes, we consider to be the top two teams in the Sun Belt East and maybe in the Sun Belt as a whole. You know, by the time the season plays out, looks like the East is going to be a real dogfight. This is an excellent opportunity for um, ESPN to showcase two of its finest Sun Belt teams on a midweek game. So, hey, you love to see it. That's, that's now multiple, you know, linear elevated games for the herd so far in this young season. And, man, that's going to be one that you got to have. Of course, we can't look past Georgia State. We'll talk about that in a couple of days. But, man, this is going to be a marquee matchup, and now it's going to be on ESPN. Yeah. We'll have uh, a lot more info in the coming days, uh, not just about that, but when the lot's open and all that stuff, it's going to be a really big deal for our tailgate, as you know. Uh, but we'll get the details out to those fans. But I don't want to hit all that this week. I want right. to save that for next week. All right, so number two on our list of things, Olivia Cochan, named SBC Women's Golfer of the Week. I know, that's pretty neat, man. We don't really see uh, many golfers of the week for the herd. 
you know, usually we kind of see that dominated by those more Southern schools, and it's just kind of seems like that's in their wheelhouse, the, the Georgia teams and, and, and uh, Mississippi and, and, you know, Coastal, things like that. That's really cool, man, because I didn't see this one coming, and she had a great tournament, and it's just one of those things, a little extra shine on that program for the herd, and hell yeah, we're going to hit that one. We're not going to miss out on an opportunity to put a little extra shine on women's golf because in any and anything of the week, which we've seen been dominated by men's soccer this year, it's just a big deal for the herd, you know, especially in these programs where we are trying to get that particular program to the next level and then the level after that and the level after that. So it's baby steps turning into larger steps and then hopefully it just turns into, you know, something that's a far more competitive program, but I'll take it. I will take it to congratulations you know, the, the women's golf, we were kind of excited about coming in, you know, based on some of the things that happened last year. So this is a really nice little feather in the cap for this this program. Number three, get your Marshall baseball bricks before October 31st if you want season tickets. We had been uh, looking at that, and the deadline was the end of the year, right around uh, right after Christmas, but before New Year's. But they have bumped that up. They're tying that with season tickets. That kind of tells me season tickets may be going on sale in November, maybe, maybe December. So they wanted to go ahead and get those uh, bricks out of the way. And they're going to reward the people who are getting the bricks because these are going to be in-demand seats for this first year. Yeah, actually, um, Christian said you won't be able to get season tickets unless you buy a brick. Now mm -hmm. we don't know. Do you know the 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 official seating capacity for the stadium? Last I thought, it was around twenty five hundred, but okay. uh, I don't know. I'd have to go in and look because other things are factored in. You know, you've got the uh, grassy area. I don't know how that's going to play out with uh, uh, entrance if that's general admission and how many can be there in capacity. I don't know how that's totaled and those outdoor storage or outfield storage container. Uh, party areas that they're going to have. Uh, I would cons I would assume that season tickets are only going to be in like reserved seats. You're probably not going to do a general admission. You might if demand is just that high. Right. But uh, we know now, and without any knowledge, like you said, on when season tickets are going to on go on sale, it kind of feels like that might be your Christmas present opportunity, the ticket as opposed to the brick. Right. So we know now that you've got to get a brick before the end of October. Halloween is the deadline. And um, I think we've, we've talked about that. We've been in support of this this uh, way of doing it from the beginning. You know, you, you should have to support and then have the option, at least in this first season, you know. But that gives you the priority, the opportunity to secure the seats that you want to have moving forward. Right. So then it's just a renewal for you. So, of course, we have no problem with that. It's something we wanted to do anyway, both personally and as the podcast. So that's going to give all of us the opportunity, you know, to to secure a lot of season tickets for baseball if we wanted to if we me and you want to do that. But just get your bricks. I mean, for as little as like, what is it like 200 bucks or a little less than 200 bucks, maybe is the is the uh, kind of the entry level brick that you can get and of course they get nicer and larger and and more decorative as the pricing tiers go up but this is going to be an in-demand seat for sure there's a lot of excitement 
And, and I just wouldn't risk, if you can afford to do this, if, if you can afford to do the brick and you're thinking, well, maybe I'll wait because, you know, a couple hundred extra bucks is a little bit more than I want to, you know, spend right now. And you're just going to maybe bet on being able to secure a ticket without buying a brick. I'm not sure that's a good bet, a good gamble. You might be able to, but do you really, really want to gamble on that? Um but if you can't do it, you can't do it. I get it. But if you can, mm -hmm. please do. It's the only way, according to uh, Christian, to 100% guarantee that you will have the opportunity to buy season tickets. It's just a where, where can you do that? Herdbricks.com. Herdbricks.com. Make sure you go over there. They'll have all of the info and it has right here in bold all orders placed by november 16th 2023 will have any included replicas shipped in time for holiday delivery of december 24th so you're already going to be hitting that deadline when you hit 10:31. make sure to get your bricks this month yeah man and and for those that haven't been on the herd brick site this is the last thing i'll say about it you can go in there and and you can test fire what you want your brick to say to see if it'll fit or if you need to reword some things just to get it to fit. So you have an opportunity to, you know, uh, play around with some things on the website and you'll actually get a little bit of a kind of a virtual rendering of what your brick may look like. So I encourage you, herdbricks.com, go over there, check it out, see what fits, see if you can work with some stuff and uh, get, get a brick that, you know, kind of encapsulates who you are as a herd fan. I've mentioned that uh, I'm going to do this for my uh, personally, for my father-in-law, he passed away a couple of years ago, lifelong Huntingtonian, big baseball fan, and I just felt like he, you know, deserves to have a place at the baseball stadium. You know, he lived in Huntington for 60-some years and, and moved here when we moved here, but he would have been a staple at Marshall baseball games if the, over the decades if there would have been, you know, a stadium uh, in, on campus. So I'm going to do that for him, and I, I encourage other folks to, you know, maybe not just think about your own fandom, but think about, you know, folks like that, like I'm doing to kind of pay a little homage to somebody that was important to you. But anyway, herdbricks.com, go check it out. Number four on the list is tip-off time for Florida at Marshall for women's basketball. The tip-off time has been set. It's 1 p.m. on December the 2nd. That's a Saturday. Okay, is that going to be the same Saturday as – Sunbelt Conference Championship? Well, I mean, it's Saturday, December the 2nd. I don't know if it's the 2nd or the 9th that we're playing, but I yeah. assume that it would have to be the 2nd. You would think. I mean, that that that's um, – I don't, I don't know right off the top of my head, but it just seems like that's kind of the date that everybody was – we were thinking. It could have been the 9th, but um, either way, at least you know now you can plan for that marquee event for for herd athletics um of course you know i'm not trying to short sell women's basketball but hopefully we are packing Joan C. edwards stadium which would just be an unfortunate happenstance for women's basketball and that game uh, because generally you know sunbelt conference championships are earlier in the day you know they kind of reserve those you know sec championships big 12 acc all that kind of stuff I've got the info. It's yeah. uh, it is December the second. It will be televised on either ABC or ESPN. It'll be four p.m. Eastern oh, okay. Standard. So you time. could you could do both. It might it might cut into your tailgating time a little bit, but you could do both. So that's good. I was a uh, I was afraid you might say it is going to be a noon kickoff. So hey, no. four p.m. is good. Yeah, tailgate. Take a little break. Go over and watch the game. Come back. Tailgate. 
go in and dominate, win a Sun Belt championship. Yeah, because uh, it's freaking December, so that'll give you an opportunity to get indoors and warm, warm up a little up. bit, all while continuing to support the herd. This is one that's got to be packed out for Kim Stevens and that team. The cam has to be full for that one. That's a marquee How- opponent, and they, uh, this team, I think, is going to engage a lot of fans. So... If you don't have season tickets, you might want to go ahead and try to get season tickets for women's basketball. It's really, really affordable, man. It's really affordable. So it, it, that could be a really great sat- Saturday setup for herd fans, without a doubt. All right. Number five on the list is if you want to watch the number one soccer team in the country, you need to get tickets now. We've got a game coming up this weekend, but. Games are selling out early in the week, so not just for this week, but you may want to check your schedule and see what games are left, what games you want to go to. Go ahead and secure seats for those. I know that uh, there has been a lot of demand when standing room only uh, is selling out as well, mm-hmm. and it, it's uh, it's tough to come by a ticket. So if you want to go watch this team, and you should, you need to get tickets. <laughs> you should. You should. It, it, this comes along with being a number one team in the country. This is what teams like that experience. You know, you can't look at on a Monday and go, well, you know, we're playing on Thursday. I'll see if I can go. Well, most likely that game's already going to be sold out, you know. So you might want to look a couple of weeks ahead or, or a couple of games ahead and go, all right, well, what's available? Are there reserve seats available? Can I sit here? Am I going to have to, you know, wait for a standing room only or a general admission thing? I mean, the environment at, at the vet, is unreal, you know, and, mm-hmm. and being that this team is undefeated, it just speaks to how freaking good they are, man. Mm-hmm. They don't have to be at full strength to dominate. They don't even have to be at like three quarters strength to dominate. That's just how good they are. And people want to watch that. It was so exciting to watch that game against uh, UCF a couple weeks ago when I was in town. So if a, just a regular You know, I know that was a marquee match. Number one versus number three, get it. But even regular, so to speak, matches against unranked teams, just conference teams, are just as exciting. You really get an opportunity to see this herd go on an onslaught at any given moment. And the vet just ignites with the excitement around this team. Look ahead for a game or two. If you want to catch them while they're dominating in this fashion, you might want to look First, you know, look this weekend, look next week, just look ahead because you may be losing opportunities to see this team and this season's not getting any longer. It's only going to get shorter. Well, that does it for me for the five things for this week. And as always, they're brought to you by Ignite Link. Man, kind of a cool five things. I don't, I, you know, we didn't really hit a lot of stuff that was like, your standard issue, five things. You know, this is cool. We spread it around a little bit. I really need people to go to herdbricks.com and check out a brick. You really need to be looking ahead for soccer tickets and trying to secure those. And definitely want to look into buying women's basketball season tickets. They are so cheap right now, and you're going to be able to get in on the ground floor and make sure you have a ticket to every game at the camp. So, Russ, great five things. Huge shout-out for to Ignite Link for, to continue to support that uh, segment. It's always fun to start our episodes with that. But, hey, let's go ahead and take it around the herd. And just because you mentioned Ignite Link sponsoring that segment, I'd like to remind everyone that there is an opportunity to sponsor this Around the Herd 
your business can be the one that takes you around the herd and takes all the fans around the herd. Get with us. Let's start off with women's golf. They finished third at the Butler Fall Invitational. Uh, Olivia Cochan that we uh, mentioned earlier was tied for fourth uh, in that, and that secured her that uh, Golfer of the Week award for the Sun Belt. Casey McElvain finished uh, tied for sixth. Emily McClatchy tied for 14th and Abby Bull tied for 18th. They had four in the top 20. Yeah, I was going to say, I was counting them as you were going and that was my cutoff. Four in the top 20. That's pretty freaking impressive. Did you happen to tell, you don't have to go back and dig, but while you were looking at this event, did it tell you how many teams were uh, in this tournament or, or no? No, I've got it. Uh, if you give me 15 seconds, I'll have it up here and count <laughs> well, them. But, but I was you just, just curious, you know, because sometimes you, when we do like the cross country or stuff, it'd be like there were 18 teams, you know, competing right. in this. So I'm curious, like, I don't really know how, you know, these, these golf tournaments work and how many teams are invited. I mean, it could be four, it could be five. I don't know. You know, I, I doubt that there's like 20 schools at a tournament because that would be an insane amount of golfers trying to play on the same course at the same time. But still, four in the top 20, that's pretty impressive, I, I would say. Yeah, so I've got it up here. Let's see where the results are. And, well, forget you, Butler. It said that I have to sign in to be able to see the results. So uh, that's how Butler. many teams Yeah, that's how many teams were there. It was uh, Butler sucks. That's how many teams were there. We can't we look need... and see the... We don't need a uh, damn account just to see who participated in it. Yeah. Man. Come on. Cut me cut me some slack here, would you? Yeah. I, I'm glad you're protecting that info. It's that, it's that great. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, but anyway, uh, four in the top 20 is really good. I yeah. don't care if there were three teams. You know there's not going to be any less than four teams usually at these things. So four right. in the top 20, uh, very good uh, showing. Um, we, uh, can't say enough good things about coach and getting that award, like you yeah. said, and, uh, they were in Butler, which is in Indianapolis. And I don't know about you, but I'm in a hoodie right now. So up here up North, it's starting to get a little cooler. Little those, those warm, uh, warm weather teams down in the Sun Belt, like you said, usually wrap that up because hey, they're, they're able to practice and play all year round. Yeah. Uh, moving on over to men's golf, we finished fourth in the Tom Tantamonia Invitational and pretty cool way that we did that. We ended up on the final round, moving up more spots than anybody. And that was anchored by, uh, two final round 67s by Andrew Weiss and Cameron Jarvis. And that had us leapfrog several teams to finish fourth. Uh, it says all of Marshall's golfers competing in the team portion of the event shot even par or better on Tuesday, which enabled Marshall to move up four spots to its fourth place finish. Wow. So eight going into the final day, finished fourth. Um, ended up having, um, let's see here, Joseph Kalaski uh, was tied for 12th and he led us uh, individually. Well, that's pretty impressive because I was, um, you know, thinking I would hear, you know, the 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 normal names that we all Bill B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you 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 think you're going to hear Tyler Jones or you think you're going to hear Ryan Bilby, so to hear some other golfers, I love it, man. 
that means that it's not a two-man show here like you know your your casual not even casual herd golf fan just your casual herd fan through listening to our show just might be expecting to hear those one or two guys so to hear other mm-hmm. guys you like this is great man we've got guys that are hitting this hitting the stride you know everybody seems to be improving this herd men's golf team is really an intriguing program man it's pretty cool i suck at golf but i can really appreciate those that don't <laughs> and it's not that bilby did not uh um help and aid in this because he did have a one under 70 on uh, the final day to help everybody yeah. move up. And, uh, the highlight of the week, uh, for this, uh, team, uh, from Bilby, he was number six, uh, hole six, a 566 yard par five. He got the lone Eagle, uh, on that hole. And that was in all three rounds. So he did his part. Yeah, I would say so, man. I mean, we expect those couple of guys. We just expect sure. them to do well. So it's not a. It's not like, you know, you're you're. I don't know how to say it. You know, it's just like you come to expect, just like you expect. You know, Michael Jordan to go for thirty points a game. You just expect for Jones and Bilby just to already be performing at a high level. So it's great that when other names are added to that list that you're talking about, that's pretty cool, man. Where are we heading to next? Well, I want to tell you that this. Uh... Uh, Miami, Ohio decided that they would go ahead and put it on there. Was it Miami? I don't know if it was Miami. Maybe I misread that. But uh, this uh, had 15 different. Uh, wow. So there yeah. are a lot of teams potentially yeah. in these tournaments. Damn. Well, so at I least, in, if, I, I at least if, in this one. I wonder if every player, on, like let's say Marshall's got what, like 12 golfers or something, let's say. Do you think all 12 golfers are participating in that tournament? You know what no. I mean? Because that's a no. shit ton of people golfing at uh, one time. Yeah, and it also, in that article, it said all of the golfers that participated in the team event. So not everyone even golfing there is counted. I guess some are just doing individual and that sort of thing. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, next, we are going over to cross country. Just a note uh, on the schedule that they are playing in the Arturo Bar. Not playing. They have a match uh, meet at the Arturo Barrios Classic at Texas A&M, and that is on Saturday the 14th. Over to tennis, another scheduling note. The Greyhounds Women Tennis Classic is also this weekend. And also scheduling note, baseball and softball continue their fall ball games. Both of them will be in Athens this Saturday. Uh, So if you are in Athens and want to watch uh, before you have a watch party to go to uh, the, the football game. Uh, they will both be there. Softball is at 1130 and then undecided yet because it'll be after, I think, uh, for baseball. Cool. Little also bat- coming up. Little Battle of the Bell Diamond Series in the fall ball. That's always a, always a fun thing, man. Also coming up this weekend, uh, we had talked about this when the schedule was announced, but the Toronto Mets, remember we were talking yeah. for baseball, that game is this Sunday at 2 p.m. on Route 2. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's an, that'd, be a, that'd be something unique to go catch, you know? Yeah. Nice little laid-back um, Sunday event to go check out after a big herd victory in Atlanta the day before, hopefully, potentially. Uh Russ, one thing I got to go back and talk about, you just brought up track and field there real quick. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I want to go back just real fast. This is something that I saw uh, while perusing social media, and I hope I get her name right. I could I could get it wrong because we I do that a lot. But I don't know if you saw 
Um, senior javelin uh, com- competitor uh, Chloe Cahill for the herd. I saw that she did a. It was like a like a almost like a commercial, like a like a maybe it's some like an nil thing. I don't know, but it looked like it was for CVS, and um, it was really cool. It was like you know her going to CVS and putting together like a gift basket for a friend, like some Halloween type stuff. And, and, and it was, it was pretty neat. So I hope that that's actually what that was. I hope there's a partnership there. And if it is, I want to let herd fans know about that because you want to support those businesses that are, um, you know, supporting our herd athletes. And I hope I'm not sitting here like, Oh, it was actually Walgreens. And I said, CVS, you know what I mean? But I saw it and I'm just thinking about it in my head. Uh, let me, let me see if I can look for it real quick because I want to get the the right thing. Uh, get the while right you're thing looking, right. while you're looking for it, I can almost guarantee it wasn't Walgreens since they are closing a lot of the stores oh. here. Ooh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, we don't want to do that. Don't do Breaking it. news. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry if you're employed at Walgreens and you're hearing this on the Thundercast. But yeah, we're not trying to not trying to break any. Uh, you know, bring, make any enemies or anything, but I didn't know that. So I can't find it. I don't know. I'm still trying to learn this stupid. Oh, there it is. Yes, it is CVS. I got it right. Woohoo. So uh, if you want to support those that support the herd, do a little shopping at CVS because they're, um, you know, got a little partnership going with probably not necessarily herd track and field, but definitely Chloe. And um, anybody that supports the herd, I want to support them right back. So I just wanted to toss that out there in case anybody didn't see that, but it was it's on uh, the reels on Instagram, so you can find it if you if you're so inclined to see what I'm talking about. Moving over to volleyball, women's uh, uh, they lost uh, the women's team lost three to nothing to Troy on Thursday, and then three to one on Friday. Uh, this coming Friday and Saturday, they're going to be down at Georgia Southern. Yeah, they've hit a little bit of a snag here yep. lately. You know. Uh, um, 10 and 10 overall on the season, but just two and four in conference play. Oddly enough, Russ, they're doing better away than they are in the cam. Mm-hmm. Just two and six home records, six and two on the road. And, you know, they're a 500 team in neutral sites, but they're currently on a three game or three match losing streak. You know, they were, they did really, really, really good at the match I was at. Um, in you know, when I was in for the uh, Virginia Tech game, or and you know they won the first one at Georgia State, but then it's just kind of been you know a, a rough week or so, week and a half or so. But you know you got to get back to on the right track here with Georgia Southern. You know being away from the cam seems to be doing them some favors. So you've got an opportunity to go down to Statesboro, win a couple of uh, win a match this weekend, Friday and Saturday affair, and then you're going to have to come back home against App State. Uh, the following week and be on a, you know, like a, like a two weekend or a weekend homestand or whatever. I don't know what you, yeah, two weekends because you got App State and Coastal Carolina. So you got to start winning at home and you got to get, start getting it right again. But 10 and 10 is not that bad. We just need that conference, that uh, Sunbelt Conference record to start shooting up there. Women's soccer, they ended up losing to uh, ODU at home on Thursday. I went to that game, but because the kids' bedtime had to duck out, it was tied when I left, and a late goal by ODU got them the win, 2-1. to yeah, one. I saw that. 
they will be hosting Georgia State. Oh, wait. No, they got to put this one in here. On Sunday, they lost to App State 5-1. to one. It was uh, one nothing at half and just a barrage in the second half, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, put that game out of reach. Yeah, it was yeah. not just a barrage. It was Marshall scored in like the second minute, you know, and were able to hold – that you know hold the lead through the first half but it was it was a late barrage not just a, a barrage yeah. it was it was a i don't know you know like um app state got the equalizer fairly early on in the um in the match but after that it was like geez you know they marshall scored like like i said a, a minute 43 right in the second minute and then you know the next five they basically got back-to-back goals also in the 79th minute, eight seconds apart. It went from, um, you know, once they went from three to four, it went from four to five almost immediately. So that one kind of got out of hand for the women's team. They are six and six on the year, six, six and one actually, but really, really struggling in uh, conference play, just one and five in conference play. Uh, I never saw an official attendance for that ODU game. Did they put one out there? I mean, remember, guys, that was, the pu- that was the push for 2K. So did they eclipse that, or did they at least get close to it? 1139, which is still really, really good for a women's uh, – I don't know where that puts that on the year. I don't know where that puts that all time. But yeah. the 2000 goal was going to just absolutely shatter the the record. And uh, 1139, and I was there, and it was a really good turnout, good environment. Yeah, I'm sure it was, but that that kind of sucks. I was expecting herd fans to really rally around that. You know, it was a simple request. Like I said, mm-hmm. they weren't telling you to buy, you know, donate this. It was a five dollar ticket, and we gave away a bunch of tickets to this game. You know, we had some mm-hmm. fans of ours and listeners that couldn't go, and they donated their tickets, and you know, we gave a lot away. So it was just, uh, I was really hoping that if they couldn't get to 2K, first I wanted them to get to 2K. I was really hoping you would say, oh, no, it was really close. You know, it was 1750 or 1800 Now 1100 is a great for, the, for women's soccer. It's a great, great uh, turnout. But that was a really simple ask. And I feel like when, when, you know, you're able to do that, like I can't fly 800, 900 miles. If I was able to go, I'd have gone, you know, just because they asked me to go. So, not calling anybody out, but I was just expecting to hear a higher number. That's all. So, if I remember, yeah, official capacity is still only listed as 1,006 there. So, that doesn't count the temporary across the way, uh, you know, on the other side. And that obviously doesn't count standing room. And we've had over 3,100. I know it was over 3,000. I think it was just over 3,100 there uh, earlier. Probably that game that you were at, I think, was the one that did it. um, But still, to have 1,139 there for a capacity of just 1,000, like I said, it it was pretty packed. Could could it have been more packed? Obviously. It has been for, for men's games, but I'd like to see what uh, where that fit in the top five or top ten or whatever all time for the women. Yeah, I imagine it's pretty far up there, you know. Mm-hmm. But it, I mean, like I said, I'm not calling anybody out. I was just expecting herd fans to rally around that at, that that push for 2K a little bit harder. That's all. And if you want, if you couldn't go before and you want to go, they will be at uh, the vet again on Saturday at 6 p.m. hosting Georgia State. 
and we always have tickets. We'll have, have available tickets for free. All you got to do is basically ask for them or respond to the tweet or whatever. We'll let you have them. Men's soccer. Again, we mentioned they were sold out in that one. They beat Georgia State two to nothing on Saturday. That was their seventh shutout on the year. They are now 11 and 0. Seven yeah. shutouts, 11 and 0. 11 and freaking 0, man. And you know that this is not going to stop. They are near unanimous number one in every different uh, category and poll that is out. Someone did give, uh, I think it was Toledo or somebody, uh, uh, a token number one rank. I can't remember who it was that, <laughs> that got it, but uh, it seems like it was Toledo. Maybe maybe uh, we voted for him. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, I think it's clear who the best team in the country is. For Announce, sure. Announcers for the other teams are saying, this is the best soccer team that I've ever seen, <laughs> you know. Um uh, I love to be able to chuckle about that when you say it. it's just that that makes you feel good, man. Like, which, which a uh, quick, quick little uh, detour here. Uh, one of our friends that is down at NC State and has been for a while in the athletic uh, equipment realm. And you know who I'm talking about. Uh, I was at his tailgate briefly on Saturday down there. And uh, that was uh, they had their soccer team there because you know he does equipment and such and they were talking about our team so uh just we're respected all around that's a kind of one of those if you know you know things you know because we're we're just kind of like not me and you but like herd fans are like yeah man we're awesome we're the number one team but they're i don't think they're fully grasping because though because we're not all in uh, soccer circles right but the people that are and the people that play they're like you guys are damn good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, awesome. keep in mind, NC State plays in the ACC and NC yeah. State and the AC, well, ACC at least is considered to be the top soccer league in the country. But yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> not, not anymore. Not anymore. There's All a right. sheriff in town. <laughs> so they are hosting Coastal on Friday at 715. And then next week, even though it's early, we usually don't talk about the week after, but uh, we got a big one looming after this game. And that's when yeah. we go to Morgantown to play WVU, currently ranked in the top five still. I think uh, most of them have them at number four. Yeah. Some of them may still have them at number three. But uh, anyway, top four matchup going on next week. So next two games, we get through those. We're looking at. I mean, I don't. We're already in history here for how many uh, games in a row we've uh, won, how many games to start a season undefeated, that sort of thing. So, looking at some rarefied air, maybe for how long we've stayed at number one and unanimous number one, that sort of thing. If we can get through these next two games, well, it's actually the next three games. I don't know how far ahead you looked, and yes, this this third game on the schedule is a little bit of. Uh, Le- less lustrous than it was K- preseason. Kentuck- Kentucky's after that. Yeah. Yes, I'm I'm looking on the herd zone right now. So yeah. Coastal Carolina is an interesting storyline because you know Pasquale was there last year and transferred yeah. over to here, so that was their best player, the only other All SBC performer that wasn't a herd player, you know, basically. And now he's playing for us. And then you go on to Morgantown, which is going to be tough. It's going to mm-hmm. be tough. Yeah. They're number four in the country. They're damn good. And that's a Wednesday night affair, and, and, you know, Marshall's on the road for that one. So 
That'll be tough. And then, yes, you're back home October 22nd against University of Kentucky. You cannot discount them just because they're not living up to the hype for themselves this year doesn't mean that they're not a really good team that can absolutely, you know, put one on you at the vet. So it's getting into the thick of things here. You know, there's only, what, one, two, three, four, five games left, and you've got three opportunities to see the herd at home. You know, so if you want to see him, you better see him quick. This is the season, like I said, is dwindling quickly, and then it's going to be postseason. And final thing about this game uh, coming up this week, we really owe Coastal from last year. They beat us down there. Uh, it was a game, you know, we expected to win and didn't. And you've got Garcia Pasquale, like you mentioned, but we really owe that squad. So uh, they can try to play for a tie if they want to, but. I think that we're going to get them and uh, outmatch them because we seem to be fully healthy again. Yeah. One last note about that Coastal Carolina game on the, the 13th. Uh, that, that is, uh, we are herd strong. It's a breast cancer awareness game. So uh, there may be some sort of push to, you know, wear pink or something like that. I haven't seen it. I just saw it as a footnote there on the schedule real quick. So uh, if that's something near and dear to your heart, just another reason to get out and see this number one Marshall Thunder and Herd men's soccer team. And that does it for Around the Herd. Man, what a great wrap-up, man. There's a lot of good, cool stuff that went on this weekend and you know, the past week or since we did the last episode. So there's a lot coming up. You know, all of our teams are in the thick of things. Some are doing pretty well. Some are looking to turn that corner. We kind of expected that. You know, you don't expect every team just to go out and dominate. But some teams are doing better than others, but that's okay. That is, that is um, no reason to set it home when – you know, you're not doing anything. You could just shoot down to the cam and watch a volleyball match. You could just shoot down to the vet and watch a soccer match. So we have tickets for all of that stuff, all of it. We give tickets away to everything, volleyball, men's, women's, soccer, everything going on right now we have tickets for. And we're getting really close to basketball season. I want to remind folks that, yes, we're going to be giving away basketball tickets too. We did our renewals the other day, so there's going to be um, – two seats for every men's game and women's game at the cam that we'll be giving away when the time comes for that too. We're going to get our bricks and we're going to have our men's baseball tickets that we will be able to give away. And whenever, whatever they decide to do with softball, feel pretty comfortable that if they're going to offer season tickets for that, we will also 100% be down for season tickets for softball. Yeah. Uh, we are going to take a quick little break. And on the other side here, we're going to recap the big football game against NC State down in Raleigh, North Carolina. So stick with us. It is the Thundercast. Well, the herd traveled pretty well down to Raleigh, Russ. We had a another game I don't think that anybody really saw coming. Right? I don't think anybody saw um, 89, 89 points. combined points yeah. scored in this one. And There's a lot to talk about, both good and bad from this game against NC state. And I guess it, it depends on how you choose to look at a lot of things, whether you sure. think it was more good or more bad. Right. So we've got a recap to get into. Let's talk about it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, before that, I, I do have a little housekeeping thing that I'd like to talk about. Um, I, okay. As most of our listeners and viewers know, you handle about 99 or more percent of the, tweeting on our account and I handle the Facebook side of it, which I don't put nearly as much stuff out as you do. You got a lot of news and stuff that you share. And I basically just share our, uh, our episodes and stuff like that on there. But 
I did see a little bit of uh, what I felt like was, I'm not going to say an outright attack on you for some of the things that you had said on there, but I just feel like I'd like to clear up a couple of things uh, that I saw floating around there. First and foremost, uh, we are not beholden to Marshall University Athletic Department or any coaches or anything like that to where we have to answer to them for anything. I feel like we've got a pretty good relationship with them, but we don't get paid. Uh, we are not on the payroll and we certainly can say negative things if we feel like something needs to be said. Uh, if we feel like, Hey, um, I'm just the the women's golf team is not being coached up the way that we feel it should be. We have every right to say that. We're just two fans, right? Mm -hmm. Now, we generally do not because we have a let's stay positive kind of mantra. And if we just sat around and bitched about everything that ever went wrong, we would be no better than anybody else that would be constantly bitching about stuff. And I don't feel that there's a lot to bitch about. So I just wanted to clear up a couple of those things. And I wanted to tell a little quick story of me being down there at North Carolina State. Okay. Uh, I talked to a player's parent for the first time ever. I'd never spoken to this person before. Actually, both both parents were there and I, I spoke to them. And uh, they are not listeners of the podcast or following. They had listened to like one episode or whatever when it had pertained to the position group that their, their child was in. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was telling them, I said, hey, just here to tell you, because they were asking kind of how the show goes and stuff like that. And I said, just to tell you face to face, I, you know, uh, criticized your son about this, you know, this particular thing. And I have no problem saying that because it's not something that I'm downing that person for, right? It's a criticism because of things that we see. And they said, oh, yeah, no, that's something that I have spoken to them for and they're aware of it as well and everything's like, no, that's just a, a good observation, you know? And I said, well, I'm just up front with everybody. We say positive, we say negative, we call it out when we see something, but under no circumstances is somebody going to say, which I saw them say to you, well, they have to remain impartial and can't say anything negative about a player or a coach or whatever. No, we choose not to say anything, but we have also in the past, if you listen to all of our episodes, we have said things from time to time. It's like, you can't have that level of play and this lost us the game or whatever. You can't have, uh, that was a coaching mistake. And we do that. We grade every. No one gets an A plus throughout the season every single game. No one. You know, I, I feel like I try to be as fair as I can. Now, if you're looking for us to say, yeah, let's jump on the bandwagon of everybody dogging this player or this coach or whatever, and especially saying this person is trash, uh, this person is not a D1 quarterback. I saw that. That's that's. That's such a BS comment, man. You know, I don't, I don't care who you are. Again, it's at Russ Living Good, R-U-S-L-I-V-I-N-G-O-O-D. Hit me with whatever if you think that I'm offending you with that. But stop and miss us with saying you guys have to be impartial and you can't say anything bad about anybody in the athletic department because that ain't true, Jack. No, it's not true. 
and it, a lot of it comes from just my personal viewpoint. I tend to try to just be positive because mm-hmm. being negative is, is a miserable, miserable way to go through life. It doesn't have to be about herd athletics. I just try to be perpetually positive when I can. And this is not directed particularly at that Twitter user that kind of called me out for being having to stay partial. But what I'm doing is just reiterating what I'm saying. Uh, how I responded to that. So this is not directed at him or her. This is just my response to them saying that. I said, if you're looking for me, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly what I said. If you're if you're expecting me to, you know, drag 18 to 23-year-old college athletes, it's not going to happen. If that's what it takes for me to earn your respect, then you can just keep your respect. I don't need it because that's not what I'm going to do. And no, we don't try to just go in and be negative. That's really easy to find everything that you don't like. Dude, that's the low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Anybody can do that. And I will do that if it's merited, right? If And I'm using Cam as an example because Cam's yep. a quarterback and he's a, you know, he's Lightning the center, rod. He's the centerpiece of a lot of discussion. If he yep. goes out and has six interceptions, no touchdowns, and, and just plays abysmally and the herd loses this game in a blowout fashion or a game in a blowout fashion – do you think we're going to get on here and go, no, he played really well, guys. You just got to give him a chance. No, you're going to say that was a horrific effort today. Yeah. Now, here's the other thing. I am able to differentiate between the player athletically mm-hmm. and the person, right? So I'm not going to say this XYZ player is garbage. and it's tra- That's ter- That's a personal attack. Yeah. Okay, you don't know him. I don't know these people and what they're going through and what they're dealing with. I guarantee you the only one thing, it's far more than anything I dealt with as an 18-year-old college student. Okay, yeah. so I, I'm able to do that. And I don't think some people are able to do that. They see these athletes as kind of these sports personalities that are not real people under the helmet or under the uniform. And they can just say whatever they want and they and it doesn't affect these kids. And if it doesn't affect them, great. If they're able to go, man, I don't know these people. It doesn't bother me. A lot of the things that people say about me, it doesn't bother me because they don't know me, right? To mm. to them, I'm also probably some sort of sports personality, not a real person with feelings. And I, But it doesn't hurt my feelings. I don't care. I don't lose any sleep if people don't agree with me. I don't right. lose sleep if people do agree with me. Yeah. Right? I'm just a fan who likes to talk mm-hmm. about the herd. And if people like to listen to that, great. But I'm not going to just become this evil, vindictive person just because some people think I ought to be, right? I'm yeah. not going to do that. It's just no way to go through life. And he, and here's where I'm at. Uh, one, you know me. I don't care when people do mo- do know me personally and and don't like me or whatever. That doesn't bother me either. You know, I'm just I'm that way. I mean, I've got a lot more stuff in life that I need to worry about on whether or not people like me or agree with my opinions or whatever. It just doesn't bother me. I'm, it, it doesn't influence how I'm going to do this show. Right. It doesn't influence my takes on martial athletics. Um, but I feel like we are both cut from the same cloth in that it doesn't have to be all the way over here 100 or all the way over here at zero. And we're going to talk about that a lot, I feel, even though we haven't discussed this, as we recap this in game. In this game. There are in this very game. That I yeah. absolutely yeah. hated to see. And things yeah. that I loved yeah. to see. Yeah. And yeah, and, we'll talk about and it. it. And it doesn't mean that, you know, if a coach calls something that you disagree with or a player does something or performs in one play that you disagree with, that doesn't mean that all of a sudden every single thing that he does has to be bad. Mm-hmm. You know, 
and right. vice versa. If you love what he does, that doesn't mean that every single thing has to be. There's shades of gray, guys. And if you guys have bad takes, I'm sorry. I'm going to call out a bad take. And saying that we don't have a D1 quarterback is a horrible take. Saying that he wouldn't be able to play on any other team in the nation is a horrible take. I urge you to watch some football and open your horizons if you if you think that uh, our starting QB uh, would be on the bench of every other 132 teams. Um, it's, it's, it's sad, but again, miss me with all that stuff. I was basically, you know, I don't respond to that because I'm never on our Twitter handle, mm-hmm. but I wanted to get in there, but I also had to drive home and not get home till 2 a.m. Sunday morning. So. Right. I mean, I, I, can, I can appreciate you coming to my defense to a degree because we're friends and I know that just set with you the wrong way because you know who I am. and right. we're, You're right. We're very much the same. We just know who we are and we're okay yeah. with who we are. And yeah. So, you know, um, peer pressure type shit doesn't bother me. You know, I gave I gave that shit up a long time ago, man. A long time yeah, ago. Yeah, but but more than just coming to your defense, it was defense of our brand. I yeah, mean, yeah, that's you know, true. That's true. you you and I are mentioned and everything, but I feel like the Thundercast is not just me and you; it's our brand, you know. And I feel like our fans are part of the Thundercast, and yeah. uh, you know, we don't tell people not when we have a post game spaces, a call in show. We don't tell people. Hey, no, you can't say that. Can't say anything negative. It's a call-in show and they get to give their opinion. Now we'll say, I disagree with that. Or we'll say, no, that's a good point. You know, and was there good and bad in every single game that we've played this year? Absolutely. (laughs) But if we go 29 of 35, not talking about this game, 29 of 35 and you bitch about the six incompletions and don't, you know, act like the 29 completions didn't happen. I'm sorry, it's a bad take. Yeah. And a lot of people, and we've called this out all year long, a lot of people before the season started were looking for a reason for Cam not to be the quarterback. I'm sorry, bad take. Yeah, and then let me put one more thing to bed before we start this recap. Now, if you're sitting here thinking, if you're one of those fans and you're sitting here thinking, wow, look at those guys, they're really thin-skinned. Absolutely not. You can feel free to say whatever you want, continue to be the fan that you want. Sure. But... You just can't have the expectation that you can just spit anything at me and that I will respond. It doesn't mean yeah. that that I'll, it bothers me. It just means like, man, I'm not wasting my time getting into a fruitless, frivolous argument. That's just not what I want to do with my time, right? It's, there, so be the fan you want to be. Please engage with the Thundercast. We encourage sure. you to engage yep. with us. And sometimes when you're right, and we'll tell you you're right, especially if it's a it's something that I hadn't noticed. Or I'm like, you yeah. know, that's a, like you said, that's a valid point. So yeah. continue, please listen to the show, watch the show, engage with the social media outlets. We we love all of that. You're not. I'm not trying to alienate anybody. Basically, all we're trying to say over this last ten minutes is. We are not paid by Marshall University Athletics. We can say whatever the hell we want, whenever we want. Yes, we try to maintain a positive working relationship with our players and coaches and admins because, hey, we're also just trying to build a fan base for the herd. We're trying to make everybody want to go to these games and be a part of them. That's right. So, But if something's bad, we're going to say it's bad. Yeah. We have, we have no affiliation with them other than that, you know, they like some of the things that we do and, you know, we are fans of theirs for all the hard work they put in, you know, and that's it. We have not asked for, nor been offered a press pass. We don't want one, you know, because it ultimately it, we, 
you're in Tampa. You can't go cover stuff. I have a day job, you know. Uh, I don't want to miss out on tailgating to go in and go to a press box or something like that. I've got season seats. I don't care about going anywhere. I don't want to be on the field. I'm not looking for any kind of clout or anything. I'm just having fun, man. Just having a good time being a fan with a mic and people like it and I like it. So I'm going to keep doing it. And it's totally feel free to disagree with us because we're not going to be a hundred percent right on everything that we say. We, you know, I I have, I have shitty takes every week, (laughs) every week. Yeah. But we're not, we're going to not going to sit here and dog people and overlook all the good stuff that they do just because it fits our agenda of, no, no, I want this person to, you know, would do better without this person. So why don't we just dog them on everything and skip over when they do stuff good? But I see it in the stands and I hear it in the stands. You can't say this guy's not a D1 quarterback and he never makes a good throw. And then they turn around and say, well, that one hits you right in the chest in the end zone. Oh, really? A 40 yarder into the end zone hits him in the chest, but we can't make a a good throw. Hmm. Well, let's get into some of that, shall let's we? Let's get into some of that. <laughs> NC State, the herd went down to Raleigh in a game we felt really good about being able to win. And I'll tell yep. you, 48-41, to 41, the herd does catch the L, drops to 4-1 and one on the season, first loss of the season, busted out of the ranks of the undefeated teams, 1-0, and oh, still in the Sunbelt Conference. That's really what matters, right? Uh, we wanted to win this one because it was a winnable game. And at mm-hmm. several junctures in this game, Marshall had opportunities to take control of the game. They didn't do it. That's it. Right. They, they let NC State hang around. They let NC State come back. They let NC State take a lead. And they ultimately weren't able to recapture it late. We're going to talk about it. If you didn't know the score of this game, if you didn't watch this game, and you only looked at the indicators of this game, you might think Marshall won this ball game. Mm-hmm. Right? So let's go through it. I got one, two, three, four, five, five indicators. Right. Six indicators. Total yards, 419 to 401, Edge Marshall. Mm-hmm. Time of possession, 3244 to 2716, Edge Marshall. First downs, 22 to 16, Edge Marshall. Third down conversions, neither team was really great. Five of 18 for the herd, three of 12 for the Wolfpack. That's 27% for the herd, 25% for the Wolfpack, Edge Marshall. Penalties, six for 54 yards for Marshall, six for 55 yards for NC State, Edge Marshall and turnovers three to three. That's a push. So if you look at that, you think, man, Marshall could have won a tight game. Ultimately, the herd loses a one score football game and it flat freaking sucks. There's no way around it. Russ, before we get into what our guys did, you were there. Talk about it real quick. Uh, Great experience. Uh, Didn't run into too many uh, fans that were uh, bad or or anything like that from the You're talking opposition. about NC State fans? Okay. NC State fans, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. No, I didn't run into anything. Uh, you know, a lot of people, hey, welcome. You know, w- you know, getting my opinion as I'm walking over there. Hey, you know, how's your team looking today? And what are you thinking? And that sort of thing. Yeah. Just normal engagement. Had a couple of people walk by thinking they were going to be real slick. And one, you know, come by and said, you guys are brave. And I was like, I don't need to be brave to tailgate in your parking lot, man. <laughs> yeah. And and then he went back after he'd had a couple more, and he he slyly said, "Matthew McConaughey doesn't love you." And I'm like, yeah, probably not. You know, he doesn't look know out me. for these guys. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good, yeah, good, good one. <laughs> I know that that harsh NC State tailgate environment is is known worldwide. I guess yeah. for their uh, yeah. 
So their in their inability to host a, a tailgate. No, Mar Marshall had a Mar I don't Marshall. expect that from those guys at all. You know, Marshall had a good showing, man, yeah. in the stands and everything. We were loud, and uh, I don't know how it came across on TV. I good. still have not gotten to watch a rewatch because, unfortunately, I will have to sign up for some kind of free trial and then watch the game. And I hope to do so sometime this week uh, because it'll be on demand. You can go back and watch it for like seven days or something. Yeah. But um, I have not had the time after trying to drive home and then trying to do everything I had to do yesterday, but uh, really good. And the uh, it was a winnable game and both teams deserve to win and both teams deserve to lose. And I think it'll reflect that when we talk about everything. Yeah, I'm not going to give anything too much away this time. I want to save most of my discussion for the grade segment because I'm I'm trying to move away from repeating myself. Sure. And, and that's where I get a lot of the good discussion. Feels like it fits into the episode. Let's. But yes, look, a couple things that look great on TV. The, a lot of Kelly Green there smattered around the five yard line from bottom to top, really full mm -hmm. sections. You got a little bit of air time uh, briefly dur during one of the. Um, uh, touchdowns so i tweeted that the uh, logo got a little air time it was nice to see that i caught ashley giving a high five to the fans in front of you so that was pretty cool but let's talk about what our guys did because you're right mm -hmm. this game could have been won or lost by either team there was so mm -hmm. much good and yep. so much absolutely bad from both teams in both this teams. game yeah. that you really can't go wow they really deserve to win this game because you could have said the same thing. Marshall really deserved to win this game. So yep. neither team was able to do it convincingly, but damn, 89 combined points is pretty freaking impressive. Did not see that one coming. So Cam Fancher, 29 out of 51, Russ, 51 pass attempts, 315 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, sacked six times for mm -hmm. 41 yards. A long pass of 31 yards. He had 20 carries on the day for 66 yards, two touchdowns, and a long of 11. Of course, just netted 25 yards after you subtract all of that sack yardage. That was a bummer. Mm. Rasheen Ali had 14 carries for just 64 yards, and uh, the touchdown streak comes to an end. You know, two in each game leading up to this one didn't find the end zone at, at all in this one. And, and I, you got to think that's a huge factor for the herd coming just short, yeah. you know. Uh, Daryl Simmons was, was the leading receiver for the herd in this one. Eight receptions leads the team for 87 yards. Caleb Coombs, four for 47 and a touchdown. Chris Matillo in there in the tight end duties, three for 40 yards. Did not see Cade Conley in there this week. So. He, he's uh, unfortunately out with an injury. So I was afraid of that. You know, they're keeping yep. all that kind of stuff close to the vest. We don't really know what's going on, but... You know, he did come up a little lame in the old Dominion game. We saw him kind yep. of uh, hop over to the medical tent yep. real quick. So, yep. bummer, but Matillo stepped up in a pretty big way. Several big catches, moved the chains a couple times. Like to see mm -hmm. that. Jaden Harrison, just one catch on the day, went for 28 yards and Fancher's other touchdown. So, the bullet points on this one for the Hurt offense, the offense put up 28 points against a very smothering, NC State defense. We talked about going in. They may be depleted in the secondary. Well, I learned later in the week that they had two big pieces returning in the secondary, and they would play. And then, of course, in the second half, they had uh, the safety that was out. Brown uh, came back and was able to play after the targeting call from the game before he missed the first half. 371 total yards by Cam Fancher, 330 net, given account those sack yardage, and a 32 minutes, 44 time of possession 
kind of controlled the game, roughly, you know, a 90-10 type deal. Or not a 90-10, uh, 10% more than than the opposition over 50% of the game. And But those three freaking turnovers, man. It was actually Lim- a fourth, but we recovered one of those fumbles. So it was three freaking turnovers. That was the great equalizer. What about this hurt offense for you? Well, let me clarify one thing here. And I know exactly what you're talking about with the 28 points. But just for the listeners out here, KD saying the two field goals are on the special teams, yeah, getting the, the points and everything. Points. But, you know, either either way that you look at it, um, because of red zone, we, you know, they say, you know, they count that as the offense, you know, whether you get field goals or touchdowns or whatever. So you can look at it as 34 points or 28, but the other points came off of the um, uh, interception return. So that's what he's saying there uh, for anybody just to clarify. Uh, offense looked great at times. Offense looked bad at times. Uh, especially a couple of three and outs, uh, look bad. You know, we had some overthrows. We had, uh, an underthrow bounced it to a receiver. We had six drops, five, five or six. Well, I can't remember now if it's five or six drops. Um, but a couple of those drops were past the chains that we would have moved the drives along. Some of them happened during drives where we ended up going down and scoring anyway. So it wasn't a major factor, but you just can't do that. You can't have the penalties that we had and you can't have the drops that you have in a game like this. And we've been saying this leading up to this game when we talked about previous drops, previous stalls on offense, previous uh, interceptions and fumbles and previous penalties is it's going to come back against you when you're in a tight game and that's what happened. We were in a tight game and it came back and it bit us. Yeah. It was, there was a lot, there was a lot to to account for. And again, I'm not going to say it. I'm going to wait until the grades defensively. Deani Hill led the way for the herd in this one. Eight total tackles leads the team. Six solo tackles leads the team, a tackle for loss and tied for the team lead with one interception. Eli Neal, seven tackles two two solo Carry on Martin, six total tackles, three solo. J.C. Anderson, five and two solo. Impact plays for the herd. Three total interceptions. Josh Moten with the pick six. J.J. Roberts had one. And, of course, Deani Hill had one. Just two sacks on the day for the herd. Elijah Austin and Kashawn Brown both had one. Three tackles for losses. Usually not enough to get it done defensively. Just two pass breakups in this game. Both by Jacoby Henderson, by the way. And just three quarterback hurries we just did not do a good enough job of getting to this quarterback now they made up for it by getting three interceptions but you need that constant pressure on a guy and we Mm -hmm. saw that he was able to kind of shred this herd secondary at times especially with big plays because our pass rush just wasn't getting there as often as we needed it to um 401 total yards given up by this herd defense chunk plays on runs again Kills the herd. The secondary secondary got gashed a number of times with long pass plays and four touchdowns through the air. Dang man, um, one this this might be the most concerning outside of the the big long runs because you know I hate to say that we've become accustomed to seeing that, but we knew that was something we had to account for. NC State came one yard shy from having two. 100-yard receivers in this game, Russ. Concepcion went for 102 and two touchdowns. Penix had 99 and two touchdowns. 
They did get three interceptions and one beautiful pick six early in the game. So a very, very mixed bag of extremes for this herd defense. Great yep. impactful plays for the herd to the good and really bad ones for the herd that went against the herd that led to points. So this is a very, very I don't know what to say about this defense as a whole right now being five games into this season with the yeah. expectations that we had coming in, the guys that we had returning, and what we're seeing play out on the field. It's kind of concerning, and I don't know what to do. I don't know what to think about it right now. Uh, just quick initial thoughts of how this one went down in Raleigh. Well, you look how the game started, and you have the interception, and then the interception for a pick six, and we had uh, an interception to start the second half, which nullified them getting the ball back, right. you know, and uh, we had uh, a couple of three and outs and some big stops, especially there at the end of the game, you know, came up big, and then you just have the unthinkable of who's covering this guy, you know. Can you stop Concepcion, please? You know, we know he's getting the ball. You know that he's when he's in motion on the end of round, they're going to do a jet sweep or, you know, whatever. Uh, there's There was just so much good and so much bad. And again, that mimicked the offense. We had great plays. We had great stops. We had great performances. And then we had bad leaving guys wide open 39 yard touchdown, you know, on one play we, it was just, it was, it was good and bad. And again, that's what we talked about with the offense. We should have won the game. We should have lost the game. They should have won the game. They should have lost the game. Yep. They, they were just able to outlast the herd when, when they regained the lead, I didn't get worried because Marshall had been in this scenario before, and we talked mm -hmm. about that. They were built yeah. to compete in these games. They just did not make enough plays on both sides of the ball to come out of Raleigh, North Carolina with a win. Special teams, though, Russ, really bright spot for the herd this week. Reese Verhoff, I think we feel really good now saying he's the guy. Two yeah. weeks in a row, he's had solid games, both uh, from field goals and extra points. This week, he cleaned up the kickoff duties. He didn't put any out of bounds, everything was either a touchback or, you know, was relatively minimal on a kick return. He goes two of two on field goals with a brand-new career high of 43 and then tacks on a 26-yarder later in the game, goes five of five for extra points. So, again, Verhoff accounts for 11 points on the day. You kind of mm -hmm. need that in games like this from your kicker. Yep. It, um, um McConnell, John McConnell, five total punts on the day, 208 total yards, a 41.6 average, really solid. You love to see that over 40-yard average and a long of 51. Situationally, he wasn't really put in an area to where he could do something inside the 20 or anything like that. Uh, and Jaden Harrison, another good day from kick returning when he was able to return. Two kick returns on the day, 60 total yards, including a spark again for a 36-yarder to kind of got things going when we need something good to happen. Um, let's move right into revisiting our keys because special teams did their job. It's a positive, and we're going to get into it more in a grade. Um, my number one key to victory, if you'll recall, was the turnovers had to go away, and it did not happen. We had three turnovers, three lost turnovers, and a fourth fumble, a fourth that was a fumble that we recovered. Uh, the late interception, which was Cam's only interception of the day, is, is kind of amplified by when it happened. You know, we, we had an opportunity to go down and tie a ball game, and it was an immediate interception, and you're thinking, at least I was thinking, there is absolutely no excuse for that to happen right there because we know what we needed to have, and it was a 
throw into triple coverage again, and it was just, there had to be somebody better on that read. Now, if that's a one-man route, and that's your only read, and that's who you go to, okay, I get it, but still, it's an inexcusable throw because of the, the situation right there, and we needed to put something on the board, even three, and to just have that happen, it really sucked. And then he had two more fumbles, and uh, one of which was recovered, and then Caleb Coombs also had a fumble. So the turnovers did not go away, and that is a giant red X because even if maybe one fewer of those happens, the herd ties this game at some point, and maybe we go to overtime, and anything can happen in overtime, you know. But big X for me. What was your number one? I don't, I don't have mine, and I don't have. I thought I had them written down and everything. I don't. Uh, so you just go on with yours. All right. Well, my number two was Ali and Cam must carry the load, and Rasheen Ali was a small factor in this game offensively, especially in the second half when he was out on many drives, leading some folks to say, hey, did he get dinged up? Because late in the game, he was not in the game. And that's something that got to be a point of concern if you're a Herd fan thinking, he's our best player, and he's not in the game in a tight one-score game late in the second half. What the heck's Mm -hmm. going on? So Cam absolutely carried the load. So I'm going to give him a half for that. I will say, and we'll go to my grave saying that Rasheen Ali was robbed of a of a long run. He yep. was not down, and they didn't call him down on the field, but ACC refs struck a little bit in that game, and that was one of them. He, he, they, tried, they said apparently his forearm was down. I didn't see it. You know, it was close, but it, since it wasn't called on the game, I don't know how during the, during the game, I don't know how you can overturn that and say that he was. I so, can tell you that from looking at the big screen, uh, and there was a couple of NC State fans right next to me, and when they saw it, they kind of went, "Yeah." We all saw that was a touchdown. So tack on thirty-two more yards for him, so that puts him up to ninety-five on fourteen carries with a touchdown. That looks like a really solid day, just it right does, there. But but it also changes the complexion of that game early because that's one of those kind of demoralizing plays to a really yeah. good defense. And it could pave the way for bigger things for him. So, yes, it sucked, but still in the grand scheme of things, he was out for a lot of the second half. And he only put up 60-some yards. It was not – and he didn't find the end zone at all. Cam Mm -hmm. carried the load in this one, so it's a a half for me. Number three is also a big X. I said we must play assignment defense. We still saw the chunk touchdown, 37 yards this time. It's not as bad as 70, but it's still a chunk yard touchdown, chunk play touchdown on the ground. And rough in coverage, man. Rough set up several touchdowns, long pass plays, beautiful plays by the NC State offense that just seemed to rip right through our secondary for long touchdowns. It, it sucked, you know. So they did not do that. They did not play assignment defense. And number four, I can give a check to, because I said the herd has to grind. They have to keep chopping wood. Whatever you, whatever you know, axiom, whatever you want to say, they have to stay in the moment, and they did that. Because there were several points in the second half where you could absolutely tell that NC State, they smelled blood. And they were Mm -hmm. trying to put this freaking game away. And they were unable to do it. So late in the game, Marshall really was able to circle the wagons and stay focused and not let this one get out of hand. It could have jumped to a 21-point lead really quickly if they were able to make some things happen. And the herd kept it from happening. And were able to put some points in the board late to keep this one close. So I give them big props for battling. They didn't falter. They didn't, they didn't pack it in and just let one get away late. It says a lot about the moxie of this team. It says a lot about the, the makeup of this team. 
They just weren't able to string enough plays together to get a win. So it's a bummer. One and a half out of four most likely isn't ever going to get it done in tight games specifically like this against good teams with good defenses like NC State. Let's go to grades, man. All right. Uh, you can start with Cam. What do you got with the grade for the quarterback? I got a B. Uh, I was going to do B minus, and I went back and I, I thought that uh, the run that he got to dive out and still get the ball, the pylon and everything, I, th- I think that was worth going from a minus to just a regular B. I got a B. Uh, six drops or five drops, whichever it was, if you add those on, he's around 70% completion percentage if those aren't dropped, and he's around 350 yards with two touchdowns. But you cannot get, and I almost dropped him down to a C, but I just feel like what he did to have to carry, especially without Rasheen doing Rasheen things, uh, you can't have that interception, which was a bad overthrow right into, I mean, it wasn't just like it was an overthrow. There were two people past him with the overthrow and another person on him. It was triple coverage, basically. And it was a bad time of the game to have that bad mistake and the fumble as well two turnovers knocked him down a letter grade uh for me uh but having what would have been or should have been 34 out of 51 or 35 out of 51 with 350 yards and two touchdowns uh in the air and two touchdowns on the ground looked pretty good yeah for the first time i think maybe in a while you know i really don't keep super close tabs on how our grades align. Usually they're pretty close, but probably for the first time in a while, I'm actually going to grade Cam higher than you are because I got a lot, but I gave him a B plus. And it was that laying it all out there play on the goal line that gave me the plus, you know, because that was a, I'm going to make it happen play. It was every bit of effort you needed to have. And they tried to take it away from him. And it was too obvious to overturn. You, I, I felt like they wanted to be able to call that. Well, sure they did. I sure felt they like did. they did. So 315 yards passing against NC State. Um, two touchdowns through the air, two touchdowns on the ground. The kid was the MVP. He, he was my MVP going into the game. He maintained that hot hand. Uh, one of the fumbles was kind of inconsequential because it, it, it occurred on a fourth down. You know, so if they're going to stop you, it's a, it they're stopping you anyway. It's either a turnover it was, or it's a turn. Or it's it a was so close to a, a you know a fumble uh, and a scooping a score. Well, it wasn't though because the guy gra- was laying on the ground and picked the ball up, and then he got yeah. up and tried to run. Yeah, you know? but they didn't whistle it dead. At least I didn't hear it there, and that's what everybody in the stadium was saying. And you know how it is down there. Yeah. And I mean, how many times were we, you know, look at the Rasheen thing? It was obvious to me that he wasn't down. So but, that's yeah, why this was, was, this so was totally obvious. I mean, it was once you see the replay, you're like, oh, well, there's no way they can say that's a live ball. You know, well, there's a way because <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I I don't know. I was there, and we were we were chanting at the refs pretty pretty yeah. tough and i feel like they deserved it so again i'm not trying to make light of it but it's yeah that was kind of inconsequential you were stopped on fourth down it's a turnover either way so either it's yeah. a lost fumble or a turnover on downs i get but you the, but the interception is just man he was doing so well it was a and backbreaker I, for the momentum it was it really was you know because i felt like marshall was going to go down the field and at least get three i felt mm-hmm. like that and i and i felt like okay now we're a one score, you know, a touchdown away from being able to win this bad boy, not just send it to overtime. But, you know, there, there's a couple of things I got to talk about. 
for all those, we don't pass downfield people. We can't, he's not passing for anything people. Here's a stat you need to know. 315 yards against North Carolina State. What happened? Loss. 320 yards against Coastal Carolina. What happened? Loss. That's his top two passing outputs of his career. Both have been heard losses. So in the past three weeks, or the past two weeks, he's had his second highest and uh, third highest passing output. Marshall's one and one in those games, but his top two highest passing outputs have both been losses for Marshall. Cam Fancher is absolutely at his best if he's accounting for 300 yards of offense when it's 220 through the air and 80 on the ground. That's when he's at his best. So to just sit there and say, oh, he needs to be over 300 yards passing. All he does is run too much. You know what? That's what freaking is a success for Marshall's offense. That's what he's best at. The herd is at its best when he's doing that. You're two for two in case studies of him passing for over 300 yards. And it's a loss both times. You know, and, and I'm not saying that it's going to be a loss every time, but it is until it's a win. And so far, it's 0 for 2. 300 plus yards, loss. So you can't just say well, he, he doesn't pass enough. He's not a good enough of a passer. He's an all-around quarterback. And when you make a defense account for what you can do through the air and on the ground, Marshall's a better offense, period. So be okay with him getting 220 and 80 or 250 and 50 because that seems to be a more successful recipe. But overall, it's a B-plus for me. Again, yeah, might, I want... might, might I say against a really good NC State pass rush that got to him six times. Yeah, so Tony Gibson uh, said that this was his best defensive line that he's ever coached. Tony's been on a lot of teams in a lot of decades. Uh, they were a great linebacking core, and their defensive backs that was going to be such a um, – uh, question mark, you know, when they got Brown back in the second half, it seemed like it changed everything a little bit. Yeah. Boykin uh, played the whole game, and he had been out for a while. We played a really good defense, and Cam diced him up pretty good. And uh, I think his major flaw, you know, people like to hide behind uh, a screen name that is totally made up and absurd, and uh, I hope they're listening, and I would want to say it out, but I don't want to – let them uh, get any more clout than their 24 followers that like to try to call me out every damn game. Um, but saying that Cam Fancher's my boy, one, F you, uh, no one is my boy. And I don't think that in 2023 that you should be saying uh, any kind of words like that anyway. But uh, his biggest faults are inconsistency. Yeah. And he's a sophomore, you know. How many sophomore quarterbacks are dealing with inconsistency? Most of them. If they're not, they're probably going to the NFL. And we uh, we have shown that we're throwing downfield. We're throwing over the middle. Uh, we're not just throwing backwards passes like everyone seems to think that we are. I didn't get to do the rewatch, so I don't have the charting. But history shows of every single game that I've done this year, perception versus reality, people think, Cam is not throwing downfield. He is. He's also, when he's not running for his life like he had to do several times, he would spin out of one but get thrown right into someone else yeah. that was coming in yeah. to get sacked. When he's not running for his life and making a smart decision to throw it away, he was highly efficient there, and he's keeping his eyes downfield to throw the ball. Guys, we can't ask for much more. He's just in 
inaccurate at, at times because of his consistency. But it's not a decision-making thing. It's an accuracy problem, which as a sophomore, it's to be expected. You know, we're not talking about a seasoned uh, Chad Pennington in 1999 here. Right. Yeah. A couple things for me. Okay. Cam still needs to put the damn zip on the ball. He's still yep. floating balls to wide receivers that can turn a long pass play into a touchdown play. Have yeah. faith, man. I keep saying it's like third week in a row I've said, have faith in your guys to make a play. Yeah. Have yep. faith in them to run run the damn ball down. Like, cut it loose, homie. Like, yeah. fling the damn thing and make them yeah. go make a play for you. We Number talked two, about the last game about him having wide open guys uh, that could have been touchdowns. but they got to wait on the it, damn ball. Yeah, yeah, and it didn't, one ended up being an interception at the goal line or yeah. five-yard line or something. So here's the other thing with that, too. He's, he's you know, running around with this very good NC State pass rush coming at him. And you're right. He's trying to roll away from – you know, some penetration, and sometimes he rolls right into other penetration. Well, you know what else he does? Sometimes he does that and breaks a long run that he stretches out to the end zone, and the yep. same fans go, holy shit, that was amazing. Yeah. Right? That's what we need to see. Well, it can't happen every time, and sometimes when you're running for your life, the play breaks down and you make a play happen, and that's what happened. Sometimes the play breaks down and you roll into other guys coming at you. So it, it can't always be – I'm only seeing the negative and I'm really going to celebrate the good, but I'm really going to focus on everything that's wrong. It just can't be that. Look, he's quarterback one. Whether you want him to be or not, he is. Yeah. And he's winning games. He didn't win this game, but goddamn, he put 41, with the herd put 41 in a shootout against NC State that nobody saw coming. If you would have told me Marshall goes into Raleigh, puts up 41, 400 plus yards of offense, and controls the game for 32 minutes, I would have said they won this game. Yeah, I would have said that, but they didn't. So, uh, what do you got for this offense as a whole, Russ? Offense as a whole, man. I, I I'm going with a a C plus. Uh, we just didn't get the running game going uh, that yeah. we needed. Uh, I feel like that would have made our passing game even better. Uh, but the drops, the penalties, and the fumbles and the interceptions just knock it down that far. Yeah, I'm with, I'm a C plus too. Offensively as a whole, it was pretty bad to see, you know, what you said five or six drops because some yeah. of them came in big moments. Some of big them came moments. on third down, you know. Yeah, uh, third down to Coombs on a slant uh, early in the game when uh, I mean, you know, I'm I'm not saying he was going to take it another twenty yards, but he was already past the sticks. Yes, that's a, that's that, a first that's down a conversion. Yeah, you know that's that's why Marshall's. Five of 18 because yeah. two drops occur on third down or all of a sudden you're seven of 18, Yeah, you know, and that looks a hell of a lot better than five of 18. Well, I, and that I, also know, gives you a lot more opportunities that maybe you go down and string well, together you, four yeah, or five. Yeah. Maybe you don't get the 18 third downs if that's, you know, yeah. yes, I get what you're, but you know, he had two or three drops in that game. I remember he had two in relatively short order, like within yeah, a Har- plays Har- of one Harrison, had, Harrison a had a big one. Yes, it was, yeah. it was pain had one. Yep. It's tough to, you, like when you are able to get some time to pass a ball, which was at a premium for Cam, he didn't have a mm-hmm. lot of time all day long. So when they didn't get to him to sack him, he was still getting pressured quite a lot. I didn't look up the uh, like the quarterback hurries that they had. Well, they're only being credited with three, which is oh wait, that's our guys. I was like, <laughs> I was like, that can't that's, be right. No. <laughs> but anyway, um, it, when you have time. Oh, gosh, it's like seven. 
when you have time to pass the ball and you make a good throw to an open receiver and they drop the ball, that just, I mean, you've done everything it's, you can. It, to move it stalled the a couple of drives. Man, it sure did. Yeah. So another thing you got to say is, again, in the second half of games, play calling just falls off a freaking cliff and Marshall wastes, wastes offensive possessions. In a game, you can't do that. When you're in a tight nip-and-tuck game like that, you can't go in in a three-and-out and run 46 seconds off the clock and then punt. You can't do that. You know, they they tried to do the double pass again, which looked like it would have worked had Chuck Montgomery been able to throw a good ball. But it wasn't a good ball. You know, but we know he can throw a good ball because he's done it before. This one, for whatever reason, came out like a wounded duck. It just did not get to the receiver. The play never had a chance from a pass standpoint, but it was going to work, I think. Yeah, Ali was wide open, and it was the same thing on that uh, Talit Keaton uh, would have been. Uh, I can't remember the game now. Uh, maybe it was ODU, but anyway. Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. Tech, that's right, yeah. So he, uh, it was a, a Willis false start, uh, mm-hmm. prevented the play from going, but – yeah, it, it was going to work. It was just, it seemed like, a, hey, they're getting ready to bust me up. I need to throw it quick, and it came off the side of his hand. It looked bad. Yeah, and the other thing that sticks out to me is we had a really solid play on a first down that put us in a second and one, and mm-hmm. we got cute, and it ended up being a four-yard loss. Now it's third and five, and the herd ends up punting because of that, when, when you just need to line up, convert, and keep moving, keep moving, yeah. you know? So – I don't know what has to happen here. You know, this isn't an indictment, always not an indictment of our coaching staff, obviously, but this is things that they're a pattern now. At points in the in the second half of games, this martial offense just disappears. And and they sleepwalk through a couple of drives, and it's just like, what happened here? What, what, well, what? So, so I've got a slightly different take, and I didn't give my grade on, on coaching, but I will now. I'll say that it was a C. I feel like that we went down there with a solid game plan. I feel like that we went down there knowing that, hey, we're going to take their punches and we're going to give them back. And sometimes we're going to throw bigger punches than they do. So I feel like, you know, it was going well and I would have been a B or an A or whatever. But you can't have wide open guys all day long in your uh, defensive backfield that go for long touchdowns or long pass plays in general. Uh, you can't uh, have some of the mistakes that we did on on some of the the calls. One was, uh, and this could have been due to an injury, I don't know, but we ended up getting the touchdown right before the half anyway. But we were against the clock, and we substituted Payne in for Ali. Well, what that allows, refs put their arms out, the other team gets a chance, and they did musical chairs dragging it out to get that on there and it ran a good 30 seconds off the clock. Right. That's, that's a mistake. That's whether, whether it was something that had to be done because Ali was hurt or not, it was a mistake on clock management. Right. I feel like if it's an injury, then you just stay down and make them stop the clock so that you can come off. Right. But, but I, it's, I, it, that, that is a, that is a bad, you know, it's, scenario. It, it's a mistake on somebody's part, player or coach or whatever. But, um, I feel like a lot of the problems that we were complaining about or that we see is hindsight because of execution. I feel like, you know, if you pick up a first down, you're like, Hey, that was a brilliant play call. It happens. I'm not saying me and you, I'm saying any, any game that you're watching or whatever, if a play works, it was brilliant. If it didn't work, it looks stupid. 
you know, and it, some of it comes down to execution. Some of it comes down to, it was a bad play call, Mm -hmm. but the, you know, some of the things that we were doing, some of the sets that we were in, I feel like we kept them on their toes. We kept changing things up. They expected us to come out and try to run Ali down our throats. And it seemed like we came out and said, we're going to establish the pass and make you defend the pass so we can run, which is vice versa of what they thought. I thought it was a great game plan. So I hate giving it because I think a lot of it was execution, but I have to go with the C just because of a couple of the problems and we didn't come out with the win. Yeah, since you bumped up the coaching grade, that's going to be in a couple. I'll go ahead and do it too. I gave him a B minus because I'm with you. I think it was a solid game plan. And the herd went punch for punch for the whole yeah. damn game, you know? Now, it, they they had to go punch for punch because they kept giving up big, long plays that went for touchdowns. So you can't give up 48 points and expect to win. Yeah. You know, that was all offensive touchdowns. That was no defensive scores, no nothing like that. I mean, that was all offensive touchdowns, man. And you just can't do that. Despite all that went wrong, a lot went right, too. So, again, you just can't, you just can't, like, say, well, you know, we lost and it was a horrible game, but, you know, four passing touchdowns, two more on the ground, man, that doesn't say a lot about your defensive effort. You know, it doesn't. There's no coach that's going to say, no, it was really solid, you know. yeah, Dude, six total touchdowns allowed, no coach is going to be happy with that at all. No fan should be happy with that. Now, individually, we had some guys that played great games. I love the fact that we're sniffing around in the secondary and making some interceptions when those opportunities arise. There were a couple of more that got knocked away, or we could have ended up with five interceptions in this game, right? But that does not make up for the blown coverages. It's great that you got one defensive touchdown, but you can't turn right around and give up four passing touchdowns, you know, and then two more on the ground. We just were not playing complementary football in this game offensively and defensively. Like you get in a position where, you know, let's say Cam throws the turnover or we have the the wasted possession and it's three in and out and you punt back and then they go right down the field and, and score. You can't do that, right? Well, so, yeah, we, we had those. That, that's a good point real quick that I wanted to bring up here. Two separate times during this game, the momentum just really, really switched and killed us. One of those was with that interception. They kick a field goal and they go up 41 to 34. We have one play, that interception that we throw into triple coverage, only 12 seconds goes off the clock. They uh, score two plays later, 47 seconds. So within a minute, it goes from 38 to 34 to 48 to 34. And that was the insurmountable uh, thing that we couldn't come back from. Earlier in the game, they did it again. they had uh, we did the interception, and then they stopped us on downs in the second quarter. I mean, third quarter. Um, so they get a touchdown. We have five plays, and we get a touchdown. They come back and get a touchdown again in two plays. Then we get stuck with only a field goal and don't get to put it in. And then they kick a field goal. We fumble in three plays. They punt. Then we punt then that's when they do it. I mean, they they had two different 10-point swings right there uh, that was just, we lost by one touchdown, and they got the bulk of theirs in those two big momentum things there. Uh, it was something like four touchdowns and two field goals or something right there in those two different momentum swings. Yeah, and then the other thing you didn't say was we had the series where it was 
Heard fumble, we recovered. Heard fumble, we lost it. They scored a touchdown. Yeah. Right? That happened. That was a thing that happened in, in a span of like five plays or six plays or a very short amount of time. Let's just say that. But yeah. It, so that was in the first. They had a touchdown. That was the other one that I, I, I didn't bring up. But then the two momentum swings. Uh, we punted uh, after going three and out. They had a six-play touchdown to tie it up 14-14. We had the fumble in three plays, and that's where we fumbled and then uh, lost it. And then they score another touchdown, one play, 39 yards. It went from 14-7 to to now we're down 14-21. to So that and then later in the third quarter, it was those two different times, man. They just really put on a lot of points against us. Yeah. Now let me say this: If the scores flip flopped and we talk about all these things that happened, we would be sitting here going, "Damn, what a gutsy ass win for Marshall!" Yeah. They, NC State threw everything they had at him, and they were able to overcome. So yeah. they ju- they were not able to overcome in this one. And that this is a this is a learning experience for Marshall. I still think this team knows how to win. They do. They're in, every one of these games is like this. They know how to win. And not every team that we're going to face for the remainder of the season, probably none of them, are going to field a defense like NC State. So you really got to feel like, okay, Marshall took some punches in that one, but this is something that will benefit them as we get full blow into this Sunbelt East and Sunbelt Conference slate because, you know, these games are going to be what Noah Freire said, bloodbaths. That's a great term to use. A lot of these games will be bloodbaths, and they will be hard fought. Let's go into this defensive grade. What do you got? see um i mean you know you get a pick six you pick nc state off three times you get a couple of three and outs you get uh, a couple of uh big time stops and forced punts uh and then you just give up the give up the goat man they they, i i don't know well i got them a c minus i'm lower on them this week i'm a little higher on offense a little lower on defense than you this week which kind of uncharacteristic for you know our grades but I don't think they can figure it out right now. Yeah. I mean, not for 60 minutes, right? There are stretches in the game where they are absolutely immovable. You know, you can't do anything on them. But then they'll convert a third and 17. You know, it's like, how the hell does that happen? You're so good on first down and second down. You've, you know, forced a loss or you've got, you know, you you coaxed into a, a, a penalty and now you're in third and long and you give it up. How the hell does that happen? You know, it's just, I, I just can't get past you know, the six t- touchdowns allowed. I, I can't get past the I, I, these blown coverages. I mean, you know, again, I know these kids are working their asses off. I know they are. Mm-hmm. But the product on the field isn't showing that work fully. You know, they're not seeing the successes of the hard work. On You're seeing the potential. It, on the game days when it matters, it's not working in their favor enough times. Yeah. If they are ever able to, for the love of God, tackle the up-the-middle zone read run to the left side even, the, the A-gap run, this team gets exponentially better because that's what's killing us right now, you know, on the ground. It was concerning to me to see the secondary get lit up the way they did today or Saturday. That was concerning. You expect long passes to be hit here and there, but not right. consistently and not for touchdown. It, it, it's it's a, these, They're very susceptible to a, well, quick scru- to a quick strike scoring drive. Yeah. I don't know. Hope they get it figured out, man, because now the season starts. You know, the Sunbelt season starts. That's where it really matters. Championship every week. You got to have it. 
I for, real quick for special teams, I got to give them an A. Um, okay. I, th- I think that we did uh, great on the return game. I think we did uh, everything that was asked out of our kickers. They did, you know. Yep. So, and we also did not give up any long runs more than uh, seventeen yards. Maybe was their longest on a kickoff return or a punt return or something like that. Uh, maybe they got a one in, but twenty four or something. But it definitely wasn't the long runs that they're really good uh returner could have done so yeah. a for me a plus for me on special teams i think reese verhoff is the guy now and that's great the herd knows who the guy is mcconnell did a great job Jaden harrison continues to spark this offense when we need to get something going there's nothing like a good kick return to get it going and the energy from first down comes onto the field after a big return play what do you got for these coaches oh we did that already oh Remember? that's right we did do that yeah. what do you got for yeah. the fans in this one um, the fans that were there, uh, a B, I feel like, uh, they were there, they showed out, but I heard way too many people screaming, you know, we need to get him off the field and stuff like that. And I'm like, are we watching the same game? You know, and too, too many times of saying we can't throw, he can't throw a deep ball. And then we put one on the letters in the end zone and it hits to Keaton in the chest. Yeah. Defensive back made a good play on it and everything, but it hits him in the chest. Mm-hmm. That's that's not on the quarterback. I'm not even saying that's a, a bad to leak drop or anything because it was a good defensive play. But the throw was on point. It wasn't underthrown. Uh, so too many people complaining in the stands and stuff like that about our players in a uh, too personal of a way, I'll say. Yeah, I'm going to give the fans overall an A, but I'm going to tell you why. And I think it's because I, w- I was expecting something else. They traveled well. It looked mm-hmm. good on TV. Um, the social media base really, honestly, wasn't as critical as I thought they were going to be after this loss. There are always some people that just have horrible takes. And you mm-hmm. you mentioned a bunch of them uh, earlier in the episode. But I was honestly expecting, like, the floodgates to come open. And they didn't. So maybe some of these folks are starting to see like, hey, you know what? Maybe I have been a little too critical or maybe I'm mis- my, my anger is misguided. You know what I mean? I think that's yeah. a lot of what's going on too. But I was expecting it to be far worse and it wasn't. And I, and I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's the expectation I should have is that I grade higher because I'm expecting worse and I didn't see it, but I, I I'm, Good. I'm glad I'm, I didn't see it. Overall, what do you got for the herd in Raleigh and the whole uh, football weekend? Overall, man, I am so uh, thrilled with our uh, potential and what we did. We played a an average game, you know, a great game at some times and a horrible game at others. So it kind of landed right in the middle. Uh, but even doing that at an ACC opponent's house – how hard it is to to win there anyway, and we come up just seven shy and put up 41 points. I'm giving the entire thing an A overall because we went down there, and I feel like a lot of people in Raleigh felt like, man, we were lucky to get out of here with a win. Yeah, and uh, I I'm happy with that. I'm hard. It's 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 hard to argue with that rationale, mm-hmm. but it's a C plus overall for me. We had great individual grades that we talked about that were mm-hmm. some positive and some negative, but the period point blank of it is it might have been a fun trip and, and it was fun to watch on TV, you know, but I'm gonna tell you this. Marshall was in a position to win the game. They didn't win the game. Period. Sure did. Yeah, that's it. They let that one go get away from them, you know, and 
anytime you lose a game, as good as it could possibly be, that's not an A weekend. It just isn't for me. Well, it is for me, and, and I told you why. But, uh, you know, I feel like that we proved that we could play with the big boys this season so far. And I think that we earned some respect down there, definitely because after the game, some of the fans talking to us and everything. And that's why it, it puts me up there. I mean, if we if I lived on, uh, and I'm not saying this about you, but if I lived on every loss or whatever, a game that we should have won that was a loss, uh, I'd, I'd want to make it an F because I want to I want to win them all, right? So I'm trying to compartmentalize that and say we went down there. It was a fun trip. It was a good time for everybody, and and we put up uh, 41 at an ACC school and almost beat them. Yeah, I should probably be a little harsher on my my grade, but overall, I'm I'm saying that was a an A trip for me. Well, it was it was an A trip for you. You were there. You were around the stadium vibe. You were exposed to things that I wasn't exposed to this weekend. And there are a lot of positives to deduce. Yeah. Again, if you tell me Marshall puts up 41 at NC State, I swear we're probably going to win that game. Yeah. And it didn't happen. But the ultimate goal, no matter what, is to win, and we didn't win. So it it just can't be. Personally, it can be a lot of fun. I get it. it. It might have been a lot higher of a grade for me, too, had I been there. But you just want to win the game, and we didn't win the game. And, and it sucks that we could have, but we mm-hmm. didn't. Yep. Uh, offensive MVP, who's your guy this week? Pancher. Got to be, right? Got to be. Uh, defensive MVP, who you got? Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I don't know. I'm at a loss. I really am <laughs> because – we we had some people play really good Jacoby Henderson with the uh, two deep pass deflections and stuff like that. But we also, the entire secondary seemed like was out of realm at, at certain points to allow these points. So I just don't know. I don't, yeah. for the first time, I don't have anybody. Well, I do. I, I'm going to give the nod to Deani Hill. He's the guy that I did not expect to have a huge game. And he comes in and leads the team in tackles and he gets himself an interception Great effort. I mean, great effort. So defensively, he's got to be the guy, but you're right, man. They seemed out of sorts in that second half for a good portion of it and allowed a lot of chunk plays, and that just is a bummer as a secondary. But also, special shout-out to Josh Moten. What an absolutely yeah. beautiful pick six. You know, we, we've gone this whole recap and have not talked about that we've preached, preached, and preached. The herd's got to get out to a fast start. they got to get out to a fast start, and they went out and got out to a fast freaking start yeah. 14 points in the first quarter they scored in all four quarters and they just you know they just weren't able to get it done Who's my grades team? my grades would have been a lot easier too if i would have had the luxury of a rewatch or whatever yeah. but in the stadium and everything and i can't have that rewatch you know i'm sitting here i i don't know who was out of position i don't know who had the bad uh uh reads and that sort of thing so yeah uh special teams for me it goes for verhoff uh he made them when he needed to Yep, that's me too. Reese Verhoff, I'm glad he's the guy. He separated himself as the kicker, and, and it's two for two the past couple of weeks. That's going to be big at some point in some game somewhere. We're going to need him to maybe win a game for us in a clutch yep. situation. So I'm glad we're building that confidence. Um, the final thoughts for me are, Russ, the Sunbelt Conference Championship hopes are very much alive. This game in the grand scheme had absolutely nothing to do with that goal. And honestly, both of us had the herd 3-1 and one at, or a 4-1 and one at this point. So they are right on pace for where we were with season predictions. Um, It's just not a lot to get mad at other than the fact that we could have won. We lost a winnable game. That's it. We lost a winnable game. That's That's my final thoughts, too, that I was saving for this was uh, we're four and one. 
and our one loss was at an ACC school, and we did not get blown out, and it was a game we should have won. That is a bad taste that's in our mouths, but again, we're 4-1. and one. If we had gone 0-4 in our out-of-conference, it would have sucked, but we still could have ran the table and gotten an SBC championship. All right. So we are four and one with a very good showing, showing that we deserve to play and that we can play with those guys. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this Sunbelt conference, the meat of this schedule, especially these next two games are going to be wild. Yep. That's right. So that brings in an excellent point. The next game, Georgia state for the herd, uh, four and one on the season, one and one in conference. This is one the herd absolutely has to have. You can't have any more, you know, egg laying performances. Everything matters now from here on out. The game's on October fourteenth, seven p.m. in Atlanta. So if you're in the area, uh, it's just a you know short drive for you or a couple hours drive. Go check the game out, man, because this is not a slight to Georgia State. They are not known for packing their stadium. So if herd fans travel. You can be impactful for the herd in a big way. You have the opportunity to maybe send loud fans and overtake a cheering section and, and really be a factor for the herd on the road. If you're close to Atlanta, strongly consider going to this game. Russ, if you got nothing else, take us out of here. Yeah, whether you see us at the Joan, whether you see us at the Cam, or whether you see us on social media... Just trying to be us, man. <laughs> Wherever you see us, we're going to be saying, go herd. Go herd. It's the Thundercast. We'll see you in a couple days with a preview of that Georgia State game. Later. <laughs>